Well, I believe God has a word for us today. And, uh, you know, um, God is so faithful in what he says he's going to do in the earth. And uh, when we acknowledge him in all our ways, then we get to see him be awesome in our situations. And the key there is acknowledge him in all our ways. To acknowledge that everything that happens in our life every day, God is involved in. And uh, this week, I had a couple of situations that happened that, one, I was in the park praying. And, uh, you know, we get busy with our lives, and we're doing things, and we're not always thinking maybe God's speaking to us. But I just was quick to, to text this person in our congregation and just encourage them in a, in a situation that I knew they were believing God for, and it was for a job. And uh, that night, I got back a text and it said, boy, your timing is impeccable. <laughs> Whose timing is that? God's, I was in a job interview at a job fair when that text came to me. Now, that is not me. That is God. But you know the good news out of those kind of things? She got blessed and I got blessed more. Because I thought God knows where I am because he had to contact me to contact her. Hallelujah. So that's good news. Everybody say good news. Another situation, it was a, a critical situation and a health issue. And I just felt... I thought of this person a lot, but felt to pick up the phone and call. And they were going into a treatment. Right then, they were sitting in the chair. And they didn't know if they should take that treatment. And I called and said, I'm just calling to check on you to see how you're doing. And they told me. It just almost made me cry. I thought, God, you are so good. When we are in a desperate situation, you are right on time and you are there. It's not us. It's the Holy Spirit in us that quickens us to bring words of life into other people's lives. And, you know, I, I don't always pay attention. You may not be there always paying attention, but when you feel something this week in your heart to say to somebody, don't let a minute go by till you get that done, because it could be at that very moment that their life, I mean, Jesus is with me. You know, we know that scripture, God is with me. He never leaves me or forsakes me. But when you get a call and say, I just felt I should call and ask you, how are you doing? And they know where they are. It can mean everything. Amen. That's, that's how God reveals himself as being awesome. It was awesome for me that, you know, if you just have that happen a couple of times a week, your faith increases. Hallelujah. But you have to be a participant. Like Pastor John said, today I'm going to share with you stained glass redemption. Everybody say stained glass redemption. (laughs) It's a funny title, but you'll understand at the end. Turn to Hebrews uh, chapter 10, and we're going to look at verse 35 and 36. Uh, The last three weeks, uh, Pastor John Elizabeth has been sharing on Wednesday night on uh, next step faith. And, uh, of course, Caleb and Sarah were here and talked about a new season I want to warn you right now, there's a new season approaching. It's nice today, but by Friday, winter is going to arrive according to the weather people. And they're not always right, but they're close. Hallelujah. God is always right. And when he says it's a new season, it's a new season. And that means there's change. That means there's going to be new things. We're going to go away. We have never gone before. And when we go away, we've never gone before. The word encourages us to keep our focus on Jesus and make sure that it's his presence that we're in so we can make that transition of whatever he's doing in our lives. And as they were sharing from Hebrews 10:35, I want to read this this morning. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that after you've done the will of God, you may receive the promise. 
in that same chapter in verse 23, it says, let us hold fast the confession. Everybody say confession. Confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. And uh, I was just sitting there in my chair and, and, and listening. And uh, I want to tell you this. And, and I, I really encourage you today, no matter where you are in your walk with God, you need paper, you need a pencil, and you need the word of God in your lap when you come to church. I can say this. I'm not the senior pastor anymore. Hallelujah. You, John will be back next week, as Pastor Bill used to say. But I, in the role that I carry and all the years that I have walked with the Lord, I would sit on the front row and listen as though I never heard it before. And I'll tell you why. You have never heard it like you're going to hear it today. I don't care what's being preached. And so if we come with this attitude of, oh, I heard, uh, heard that before. I wonder what I'll do for this afternoon. wonder where I'll go. This, you know, we start checking out. You have to receive because God is speaking through his word. Didn't we say that? Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word. And we just read the word. They were preaching. I was sitting there. And this is what God said to me. If you can't endure you cannot receive the promise. The things you are enduring now that you will conquer and have the victory over, he always is encouraging us, those things are what will hold you firmly in the promise. Now, how many times have you wanted to get out of where you were? Maybe you're here this morning and think, dear God, if I could run away, that would be great. I cannot tell you the number of times I've gotten in my car and said, I'm running away. Since I was the pastor of this church years ago, all those years. There were many days where I got in my car and said, you know, I think I'll just go to Tulsa because everybody there loves me. And I know I'll hear the word. You know, how, how many, now you're laughing. Some of you have done this, see. But when I was in Tulsa, I wanted to run away to here because everybody loved me back here. But then there's Pastor Bill who won't run away anywhere, so I just stay where I am. Hallelujah. Although today he ran away to a soccer match, just in case you're wondering. He is now the soccer grandpa who, when Carter has traveling things where he's playing, grandpa takes him to all those things. So he was at 5.30 up this morning, out of the house at 6.15, headed out to get soccer, play soccer. There's nothing wrong with him. He's just on the road. Hallelujah. But he did call me and say, I'll listen on, uh, on the Internet if it was good. Let me know. So here we go. <clears throat> Hebrews, if you, everybody say, if you endure after you've done the will of God. Everybody say the will of God. See, sometimes when we're in those tough situations, we think, dear, this could not be the will of God. This could not be the will of God for me. But I want to tell you, everything in your life that you have walked through, God's will is being perfected in your life. Now, I'm not saying he brought everything. But the will of God for you in any situation is for you to overcome and get the promise and obtain the promise, whether it's sickness and disease and you're fighting for that healing that you're believing for. It's God's will. He doesn't make us sick, but in the midst of it, everybody say in the midst of it, he says, I will make a way of escape. And this scripture, I know I might be taking it just a a little out of context, but it's in um, 1 Corinthians. It's in chapter 10. I don't think it's in your outline, but I want to read it to you. Um, It it talks about that when we get in a situation, God will provide the way of escape. Uh, Let me find it here. No temptation, 1013 of 1 Corinthians. No temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man. 
But God, everybody say, but God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. That word is endure. Everybody say endure. And so whatever situation you find yourself in, you are going to get the victory if you stay in that situation and do the will of God. Everybody say do the will of God. See, because it doesn't just say if you just stay there and you cry and moan and complain and count the days till you think you'll get out. It's you, you endure means you are enduring with joy and peace and being everything God called you to be in that situation. And God gave me, um, I'm reading through this message Bible in Daniel. You know, Daniel was put in a position as an example of a way of escape. He was, he was put in the position of being sent to exile in Babylon. All the sins of the people, God said, you are going to Babylon. He said, you're going to go to Babylon, and if you go there and do what you're told, in that place, you'll be okay. Now, listen, that meant they were going to a place they didn't want to go. They were going, now, in this case, they were going because they did wrong. And they were going into this captivity, and he said, if you go, you'll be okay, but if you fight it, you will die. You know, sometimes we get to fighting over things we don't want to go do, and really, in the end, God is going to use that thing in our life to perfect us and show us who he is. And so we don't want to give up in that situation. We want to do what God says. Everybody say, do what God says. And this is what this Bible says. It says, the king told Ashfinis, head of the palace staff, to get some Israelites from the royal family and nobility, which means that's where Daniel came from, young men who were healthy, handsome, intelligent, and well-educated, good prospects for leadership positions. How would you like to have these qualifications and knowing you're going into bondage? Hallelujah. Welcome to not being where you want to be. And then it says, in the government, perfect specimens. And indoctrinate them into the Babylonian language and the lore of magic and fortune telling. So they're going to try to train them to be operating in the very thing that God hates. Are you getting this? They're going to try to train that way. Well, Daniel gets there, and in long story short, he says, you know, we don't want to eat all that meat. We just want vegetables and water. And the man in charge of him said, listen, if, this, if, if I let you do this and you look sicker than the rest of the people, the king, would, it would be his problem because he allowed it. And so he said, okay, for 10 days. But you know what happened? They started looking better than everybody else. And in the end, when they were brought before the king, because, see, these people were chosen by the king to be trained in leadership. Everybody say leadership. So they have got put in this tough place. And this is what it says. When the king interviewed them, he found them far superior to all young men. None were a match for Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah. You know them as uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And so what he was saying was, even though they're in captivity, even though they're where they don't want to be, even though they are the cream of the crop, and in this situation, when they did what God spoke to Daniel to do, they were exalted in that place, just like Joseph was exalted in, in Israel or the days when he was in captivity in Egypt. And all of Israel was saved because he did what God said to do in a place of captivity. So in this place, it says Daniel continued in the king's service until the first year of the reign of Cyrus. And then the king had a problem. He had a dream. It scared him. He didn't know what to do with it. Now, remember, they're being trained in witchcraft and fortune-telling and all these things. So he calls his magicians, and he says, anyone who can tell me my dream 
and interpret my dream. He's got his own group here, which Daniel's in. He's in this group of people now. And so he says, anybody who can do this, then I will give you riches and honor. But if you can't tell me the dream and if you can't interpret it, you're dead. I think in here it says you're mincemeat or something. Anyway, it's not good. It won't be good. Oh, you'll be ripped to pieces, limb from limb, and your, ho- your home's torn down. That's not a good forecast, is it? And so these people, these ones that he's had in his court all this time, his own people said, now listen, that's impossible. I mean, if you don't tell us the dream, how do you expect us to interpret it? And he said, this is the way it is. You're just trying to talk me out of it. This is the way it is. Also, God could get some glory. Amen? Now, Daniel, he's a new guy. He could have been thinking, oh, dear God, how do... I mean, it's over. It's over. There's no hope here. But it was only the beginning for Daniel. This was a test. Everybody say a test. And Daniel went to God. And he told Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, everybody pray. Because, you know... This is not a good prognosis. If we don't pray, there's, there's going to be a problem. And it's in a foreign country, and it's working with people that are trying to train them to do something that they know is not God. Are you getting this? This is where we live today, same place. In a nation where people are trying to change what we believe, or trying to change us to believe what they believe, making political correct statements, all these things that are happening. Listen, when we do what God tells us, I don't care where we are. It doesn't matter where we are. We will overcome. And so Daniel prayed. Of course, God told him everything. And so he went to the king, told him everything. And this is what, this is Daniel answered the king and said, no mere human can solve the king's mystery. I don't care who it is. No wise man, enchanter, magician, diviner. What is he saying? Your ways are not profitable. He is saying the way you're doing this will not work. I mean, that's a bold statement. But hey, if you just had the answer for the king, he might be listening. When it came out of such a big situation where nobody knew his dream, only God knew his dream. And so he said, but there is a God. Everybody say, there is a God in heaven who solves mysteries. And he has solved this one. He is letting King Nebuchadnezzar in on what is going to happen in the days ahead. This is the dream you had when you were lying on your bed and the vision that filled your mind. He proceeds to to tell him. And he calls God the revealer of mysteries. And how many of you know that when he heard that dream and heard the answer, he may not have even understood it fully, may have not liked even what it said, but this is what it said. Then the king promoted Daniel. Everybody say promotion. He promoted him to a high position in the kingdom, lavished him with gifts, and made him governor over the entire province of Babylon and the chief in charge of all the Babylonian wise men. Those are the people that fortune tell and do all that. He's now the chief over them. So God has not only proven him and given him a voice, everybody say a voice, but he has made sure in that place where he endured and asked God what to do, in that position, he was promoted into a position where he now is over the people who were now before training him. Everybody say, praise God. Are are you getting this today? You know, I have a little granddaughter and God told me when you keep her, you're going to learn. Well, you know, you're learning everything. But after about a week of keeping her, I thought, oh, dear Jesus, learning isn't going to be the problem. Surviving is going to be my problem. Picking her up, carrying her around her, and she talks all the time. And the other day, she was back there in the hallway. You might have heard it, Corey, because she said to me, uh, Mima, I want um, goldfish. Follow me. 
and she heads for the nursery. Now, she knows where everything is in the church, so she goes down the hall, and she turns in the nursery, and I didn't move because I had said to her, we're going to my office. And so she peeks out, and she said, follow me. The goldfish are in here. I go, no, I don't follow you. You follow me. That was a new thought right then because she won the goldfish. She's two. That's all goldfish, 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 goldfish. And so I said, you're following me. And so she, she turned around and went back in that nursery. So I just turned around and started toward my office. Here I hear. I obey, she says. We're learning, obey. And uh, so, you know, I, I want goldfish. <laughs> so whatever we have to do to get the goldfish, I'll be in on that. And so we went and got the goldfish. Uh, you know, when God is training us, everybody say training us. He is firm. He doesn't give up. He doesn't change his mind, but he always gives the victory. Always gives the victory. When I'm working with her, God showed me, reward her, then she'll learn how I am. What does it say? That faith, without faith, it's impossible to please God, but you must believe God is, and you must believe he is a, he is a what? He is a rewarder of those who walk in faith. Everybody say faith. Daniel did not know his destiny, but he operated in faith, not by sight, because there was nothing good about his situation. Even it, when this all started, Jeremiah, and uh, God just did a miracle in our, our lives years ago with this particular scripture in buying a house that my husband had owned in the past, and we had moved away from here. And uh, a long story short, I was married, divorced twice, got my life straightened out, found Jesus got in a relationship with the Lord, married my husband. We moved to Tulsa. When we moved back here, he had had a house from before, and it was the house he lived in with his ex-wife. Now, some of you that have ever experienced divorce, you know those things don't always go as well as they, you know, in some situations. We won't even go there. And so in that situation, he was offered to buy back his house. And so God began to speak to me in the word. Everybody say, in the word. My husband said, we're not buying that house. And moving into that house with you unless we know it's God. And so I was praying. I didn't. Jeremiah, have any of you tried to read Jeremiah? Oh, it's sad. It's really sad for Israel and Jeremiah. But in this Bible, it's, it's, it's kind of fun to read, actually. And so I was reading the same thing this week. And I thought again of what God told me on that Wednesday night. Now, remember, if you don't endure, you can't have the promise until you've done the will of God. And so Israel was told, you are going into captivity. Jeremiah told him over and over he was the prophet. But then this is what God said in the midst of all this horrible stuff that's going to happen to him. It says, Jeremiah said, God, God's message came to me like this. Everybody say like this. Now God speaks. Prepare yourself. Uh, your uncle will come to see you. He is, he's going to say, buy my field. You have the legal right to buy it. Well, I mean, everybody's being banished to this captivity in Babylon. And why is his uncle coming to give him an opportunity to buy a field in a place that has been destroyed by, Neb by the, the Nebuchadnezzar, all of the, the armies of that day? It has, been, it has been eradicated. I mean, there's nothing. They've been attacked. There's not anything that's going to be left. And this is what it says. And sure enough, everybody say, sure enough. Everybody say, sure enough. Sure enough, just as God had said to my cousin... He came to me while I was in jail and said, buy my field. 
exactly what God said to Jeremiah would happen. By my field in Anathoth in the ter- territory of Benjamin, for you have the legal right to keep it in the family, buy it and take it over. That did it. Everybody say, that did it. I knew it was God's message. See, when God speaks, then he does something that confirms that. Then you say, oh, okay, that's God. Now, it doesn't make any sense to be buying this field. But what it, what, what it is, is in the uh, same chapter, verses 13 through 15, it says, Then in front of them all I told Baruch, These are the orders from God of the angel armies, the God of Israel. Take these documents, both the sealed and the open deeds, and put them in safekeeping in a pottery jar. For God of the angel armies, the God of Israel, everybody say that's the God in heaven, says, says, life is going to return to normal. Certainly doesn't look like it at this point. I mean, everything's being burned down. They're all being taken into captivity. Everybody say, life Life is going to return to to normal. Whatever normal is in your world, life is going to return. Now, Why is that important? Because then we're able to endure, do the will of God while we're enduring, which Jeremiah had to do. And if you read that book, he went through a lot of things because he said yes to God. And so it it goes on and it says, for safekeeping, life is going to return to normal. Homes and fields and vineyards are again going to be bought in this country. You know what that is? That is the promise that Israel will return to the land God said they would have. Even though, everybody say even though, they made mistakes. Even though they sinned so much that God put them in captivity for their sin. Much like the children of Israel when they were supposed to go to the promised land. And he said, that's it. For 40 years, you're wandering in the wilderness. But then there was a day because of the promise. Everybody say because of the promise. After they'd fulfilled the will of God. 70 years in Babylon, 40 years in the wilderness. After they fulfilled the will of God, that God gave them the promise. See, those are different ways that that people got into situations, but the end result is this. If you endure, after you've done the will of God, you will receive the promise. It can't be changed. The promise is sure. All of God's promises are yes and amen. That's it. It's on your outline there. Second Corinthians one, 10 through 22. Why are the yes and amen? Because of Jesus Christ. Everybody say, because of Jesus Christ. When you read that scripture, the whole, you know, we, we like to believe all the promises are yes and amen. But the, the basis for that is what makes the promise good for all the promises of God in him. Jesus are yes and amen to the glory of God through us. God always gets the glory through these things. Now, he who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us is God, who has also sealed us and given us the spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. Now, I want to share with you this morning uh, that right of redemption. Everybody say right of redemption. Once you are redeemed, you have the right for all those things that God has promised you. Your right is not because of you. Your right is because of what I just read. It's a promise that's secured on the foundation of Jesus Christ. It's not secured on performance. It doesn't matter how good you do something or how bad. Yes, there might be circumstances and there will be consequences if we make a mistake. But in those places, if we endure 
and do the will of God, we still will come out the victor. Amen? So we don't need to hang our head. If we make a mistake, we have a way of escape. Everybody say a way of escape. And that is to endure in the middle of it, repent, let God show us what to do like he did Daniel, like he did Joseph. He did it with Ruth. He's done it forever in the word of God. He always shows a way to endure in the temptation, which is your escape. Are you getting this today? Escape does not mean you're going to get out of where you are right now. Turn to your neighbor and say, oh, my. But the good news is in that place, you are going to hear from God. You are going to do something in that place. And when you come out of there, you will be promoted into a place where because of what you did back there, you will stay where you are and you will be firm and no devil in hell will be able to take you out of that position. And that is critical because every place we go, we go as a representative of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we get there, that's all we've got to give. And so if that foundation isn't sure, we're going down. And the more responsibility you were going to have with God, how many of you ever said, oh, God, let me do that? He says, oh, good, good. You finally got it. Go over here. I didn't want, that wasn't on the list. <laughs> and besides, over there, those people, they're, not, they're, they're heathen. Well, so was Babylon. God took care of Babylon in the end. They went down big time for the way they treated God's people. They went down big time. But for that event, God wanted his people to prosper, and he put them in a very tight place. And I just want to share this with you. It's, I, I believe God wants me to share this with you today. You know, when, when you pray and you ask God, he will always answer. He does not always answer the way you want him to answer, but he does faithfully answer. And, uh, you know, when a new step, a new season, a next step faith, you know, if you miss those, those places, if you miss that teaching on next step, step faith, because you think, well, I, I, I've heard all those teachings on faith. Well, you haven't heard it for where you're going. And when you get over there, you're going to think, oh, dear God, where was I? Where, where was I when they, when they said that? I am so glad that I was sitting there on that Wednesday night because it was just a part, just one of the pieces of what God's been saying to me since we made this transition last January in my life. When I went to Mexico, there were words spoken over my life of things that I would do that I have heard God say way, way back that I still don't know how he's going to do it, but I know this, he is going to do it. You know how I know he's going to do it? Because I see him every week do what he says he's going to do. The phone call that I made to that woman, the, the text that I sent, all those things are keeping me strong for when I get to where I'm going. And every one of them, if I do them, are going to make me be what I need to be at the end. I'm not going to do it. God's going to do it. My response is all I have, just my response. And so uh, I, was, I was, you know, every now and then I have pity parties. You know, do you all have pity parties sometimes? God. You know, how many of you ever said, I don't want to be in this season? How many of you thought, oh, this is going to be. When, when we turned this church over to Pastor John, it was exciting. Till about a month afterward. And I thought, who am I? What am I doing? Where am I? What is this? And, and transition is not always easy. I didn't want to be the senior pastor anymore because God had told me that wasn't my, but I didn't, you know, I'm out there. I don't know who I am or where I am or what I, he forgot to tell me that. <laughs> Funny thing. And you know what he had, the only thing he had told me was you're going to live one day at a time. I don't like that. Never have liked it. I like advance notice. I mean, I, 
Give me, give me something to go by. Well, I have this, my journal. But, you know, that, that's faith. Everybody say, that's faith. <laughs> that's not sight. And so, you know, when there's nothing that you see every day, every day. And like my little granddaughter, she came, she goes, I going to stay with you, Mima, every day. I thought, oh, yeah. <laughs> wow. But, you know, God just said to me, just do what I give you to do every day. I love her. But honestly, I get so tired by the end of the day, I don't even know who I am. Even Pastor Bill said, honey, you look tired. That's just an hour in the morning. That's just an hour till I get her to gin some days. Other days I have her all day. I really look tired at the end of that day. But God said, just will you do what I give you to do for the day? It doesn't mean you're going to do it till eternity, but you're going to do it today. And you need to be on duty. On that day, not just thinking, oh, if I just get to tomorrow when this is over. Yeah. That day, you got to be on duty. And so I was saying, oh, God. And he said, this is what he said to me. You're about to land. I thought, oh, hallelujah. Where am I landing? <laughs> Anywhere but here. Okay, here we go. You are on approach. It is a rocky experience, experiencing the winds, but you are about to touch down. Wheels are down. It has been quite a flight journey, but you have fared well. <laughs> I thought I fared really good. <laughs> But, well, that's okay. Hold on until you touch down and are brought to the gate. And then, I heard this, remember. Everybody say, remember. God will go to something you know. He always goes to something you know. Get that down? Always. He said, remember the night coming home from Mexico. You finished the assignment but had to fly home. Remember how tired but glad you were to be home. That weight on the tarmac when you could see home but had to wait until the storm passed so those expediting your exit would not be put in harm's way, you are ready for the touchdown and then a small wait. Then to the terminal, collect your luggage and home, but please remain seated. <laughs> Sound like a flight attendant. That's my word to you. Please remain seated and stay at peace. I am the pilot of the plane, and I know what I'm doing. This season will be very short compared to the whole trip. What does that mean? It could be four years. Hallelujah. <laughs> anyway, it goes on. So he said to me, you knew you were safe in the air. I did. I'm telling my sister, Chris, she travels with me. You all know who she is, Pastor Chris. She looks out the window. She said, oh, the lightning's beautiful. Look out here. And I looked out, and I thought, oh, dear God, that is not beautiful. She doesn't know, you know, she, she just has learned to look out the window finally. And usually she's, <gasps> the whole flight, excuse me. But this one, she was like enjoying the lightning till the plane went, kerbang, you know. And we flew up in the air and then we flew down. And then from there, for like 20 minutes into Indianapolis, in fact, we were the last flight they let in. We were all over the airway. I, I don't even know where, because it's dark. But at one point, we had this guy that we'd been talking to. He's from Lafayette, and we'd been witness to it. Now, get this. He lives above the place where I get my nails done, and I said, oh, yeah, I've heard you play your guitar. How amazing is that? His dad is a Christian. He wasn't walking with the Lord. We're talking to him. In the middle of all this, Chris leans over across me and says, is this storm because of you? I thought, Oh, I'm sitting in between you and him. Could you lighten up a little bit? And he goes, I don't think so. I think I'm okay. <laughs> anyway, we, that storm, but in that storm, 
See, there I was okay because I knew I was going to land. I knew God. I just knew in my heart. I mean, I wasn't afraid. I was amazed, but I was not afraid. And we landed. But what I didn't like was they parked us out on that tarmac for half hour in lightning and wind and thunder. The plane was rocking. We're on the ground now. And they said, we cannot go to the gate because if you go there, the people can't come out because it's too dangerous for them right now. So you'll have to sit out here. Well, what about us? I guess the tires on the plane keep you. I don't know what, but those people. And God said to me, you can't go in yet to the gate because the people can't come out yet because it's not the appropriate time. They're not ready. Whatever reason, they couldn't come out for me. So I can't land yet, and I'm on the tarmac of faith. Everybody say the tarmac of faith for 30 minutes. Now, I'm not in the air anymore, but I'm on the ground, and it's still rocking and rolling, and I don't like to wait. I want to be at the gate. It's 1230 at night. I'm already supposed to have been there. And so I'm not happy about it. Well, then I go along, and I'm doing, I, I get grip on myself after God speaks that to me. And then I heard, you've landed, you're on the tarmac. You're here, but it says, but the storm is keeping you at bay, but you are in a safe place. Have, how many of you have ever been there? You're, you're in a safe place. It is too risky for those who have to deplane you to come out. It is for everyone's safety. I will bring you in when it's safe for everyone, not just you. This is a new picture from old pieces, reconfigured and new and beautiful, but it is still finishing up, and it's not quite time. Okay, five, ten more days. This week I heard you're pulling to the gate. Yes. I'm still not off. (laughs) Hallelujah, but nothing's going to happen. I am deplaning. Hallelujah. But I say all this to you to say, because he said to me, now you're at the gate. The plane is moving toward the gate. The wait is over. You are changing places spiritually. Now, you may not believe this. You can take it for whatever it's worth. But last Wednesday night when Pastor John Elizabeth preached that message, and God then said to me, this is what the truth is. Because you endured and you've done the will of God, you will have the promise. Now, I didn't do a real good job enduring. I have to tell you, I had my moments. Many moments. But I made it. And in the process, I did a lot of things that God told me to do. I'm sure I missed a few. I should have. But God said, it's okay. And when I pulled out of my driveway on that Wednesday night to come to church, I do not look at my speedometer. I don't look at how many miles I've got on my car. I happened to look down, and it was 33333.2. And I felt like God said, watch it. And I took out my phone and took a picture of all the threes. Three in the Bible is a number that says spiritually perfected. Whatever God was doing in me this time, everybody say this time. I'm just telling you, until we go to Jesus, there'll be more times. That wasn't Daniel's last thing. I mean, he walked alive. You know why all of this in Hebrews is there in chapter 10? Because in chapter 11 it says, now faith is. Now faith is. In the situation you're in today, God knows exactly where you are. He knows exactly where I am. I don't know the end of the story. I'm going to write a book someday. Because he also put this book in my hand. And he told me to read one day at a time. But of course, being me, I read all the book. And then he said to me, go back and see what page you'd be on if you did it my way. 
so I'll do it. So you know what page and story I would have been on? Stained glass redemption. I thought, oh, dear Jesus. Now, you know, all of this is God teaching me. Everybody say teaching me. I'm sharing this with you today because we can say a lot of things up here and you never know how they get that. I'm telling you today and giving you an example of this is how it is. This is not Daniel. This is not these people in the old covenant, new covenant. This is today. And you wonder how we do what we do. And I have people say, well, you know, if we just had your faith. Well, I say, come along with me. Well, I don't want to do all that. Could we find the fast? We'll take the fast course to there. You know, we don't want that course. And this is the story of a woman who she traveled across country. God told her to move across country opened her truck and all of her furniture in the truck. Much of it was all broken to pieces. And these were keepsakes, heirlooms. And she was so sad. It said, I, I saw a beloved piece of stained glass that was shattered. and It was all I could do to keep from going to pieces myself. The loss was heartbreaking. So I just turned and cried and walked away. And it says a friend, uh, a one friend helped me gather the pieces of stained glass and took them away to, throw them, to put them out. And she said, then in time... You know, as we go through things like that, you know, we finally have to pick up the pieces. Everybody say, pick up the pieces. You have to pick up the pieces. I mean, you you that have been there, you know, you have to pick up the pieces sometime. And so she said she picked up, you know, her life went on and all those things that that were broken, she threw them away. Her grandmother's rocker, uh, a marble top table and things that really meant a lot to her. But she said, last Christmas, I received a present from my friend who had helped me pick up the pieces of the stained glass. I had lost in that move. I opened the brightly wrapped box to discover one of the greatest gifts I've ever received. She had taken those pieces of broken glass and had them redesigned into a new piece of art. And the stained glass was gorgeous. I was speechless. As I sat holding her gift, she recounted to me the story of taking the pieces to throw them away. She said she just couldn't let them go. At the time, she wasn't sure what she would do with the pieces, but she wanted to see if there was any way to keep them. And then she found a craftswoman who saw the value and the potential in the old glass and was thrilled with the opportunity to make something new of the pieces. I stared at that piece of art in front of me. Nothing had been wasted. Everybody say, nothing wasted. I just say to you today, wherever you're at in your life, God won't waste one piece of what you've walked through. Not one piece, Andy. Not one piece, honey. Not one piece. You say, well, how in the world would that work? Because your life is so valuable, God, when it's in pieces, even if it's in pieces, he, he, he'll scoop all those pieces up. You may not even want to, but he will. He will, Lisa. He just scoop up the pieces, and then he, he takes them, and he finds a way to use every piece said she used every piece. Not one piece did she throw away. God wouldn't let her. And she made a new picture. You can have a new picture today. A stained glass redemption. Let's stand together. Father, I thank you for every person. We hope you've been encouraged, strengthened, and challenged in your walk with Jesus. If you need prayer for situations in your life, we encourage you to email us at prayer at victorylafayette.org or call our offices at 765-447-7777. If you desire to make Jesus the Lord of your life or if you have drifted away from the relationship you once had, I encourage you to pray this prayer with me today. 
Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. I believe Jesus died for me and rose from the dead. Today, I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I receive the forgiveness for all my sins. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you come into my life and empower me to live a victorious life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.